0: Turn your Bible, if you would please, to the book of Colossians. <clears throat> We're going to be there uh, tonight. I appreciate the uh, opportunity to uh, speak tonight and fill in. Thank you for inviting me, Pastor, to, to uh, do that. appreciate the elders letting me, letting me do this. Well, I want to start out by uh, reading something to you. Now, if you know the answer to this question, don't, don't holler it out. Don't, don't say it out loud. Just raise your hand and let me recognize you. Okay, so I'm going to read a paragraph to you. It's a short paragraph. And uh, if, you know, if you know who wrote this... Uh, just raise raise your hand like like that and let me recognize you. Okay. Now I'm not trying to trick you. I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. Uh, I, I just want you to help me with my illustration here a minute. Okay. All right. Now listen to this. The deplorable condition in which I found religious affairs during my recent in, uh, visitation to the congregation has impelled me to publish this catechism or statement of Christian doctrine after having prepared it in a very brief and simple term. Alas, what misery I beheld. The people, especially those in the villages, seem to have no knowledge whatsoever of Christian doctrine, and many of the pastors are ignorant and incompetent teachers. And nevertheless, they all maintain that they are Christians, that they have been baptized, that they have received the Lord's Supper. Yet they cannot recite the Lord's Prayer, the Creed, or the Ten Commandments. They live as if they were irrational creatures, and now that the gospel has come to them, they grossly abuse their Christian liberty. End quote. Anybody know who wrote that? Anybody want to take a guess? Well, my wife does because I told her. <laughs> Nobody knows who that is? Anybody want to take a guess? Huh? that's right yeah that's right 1529 at Wittenberg Germany that is his preface to what is called Luther's short catechism with explanation I found this book in my library I I had him personally autograph it for me back (laughs) then well that illustrates the point that sometimes we can be uh, ignorant of doctrine Now the pastors stand up here week after week and open the Bible and say, thus says the Word of God. And this is what the Bible says. And this is what the Bible teaches. And so we want to know doctrine. If you you look at the books of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul told Timothy over and over again, pay attention to doctrine." And so we want to know doctrine, what the Bible says. That's the reason we're here tonight, is to know what the Bible says. Now, in my years when I was in the pastorate and, and in other ministry, uh, people would say, and, and they'd do, do a holy thing for me, you know. Oh, I don't, uh, I don't want to go to a church where they teach doctrine. I just want to go to a church where they teach Jesus. And I say, well, what do you think the word teach means? Our our English word teach comes from the Greek word dedicate, where we get our word didactic. It means to teach. And so we want to know what the Bible says. And our pastors stand up week after week and try to explain that. So hopefully that's the reason you're here tonight. And we're going to look at a passage tonight that I have entitled uh thanksgiving in july and the reason is is because the uh first words in the verse are giving thanks and so i've called it thanksgiving in july originally i preached this preached the first part of this sermon way back uh in november i think it was and so when uh, i was asked to preach this time i just picked up where i left off last november and so, in order to pick up some context, uh, I'm going to begin uh, reading at uh, at verse nine. Now, Colossians one nine through twenty is Paul's prayer to the Colossians, and in this prayer, there is one sentence. 218 words in the Greek now I dare you to try to write one sentence with 100 or 2 or 150 words I tried it and I had uh, run-on sentences and dangling participles and fra- misplaced modifiers and phrases but the apostle Paul did it now in our English Bible it doesn't come through that way you'll see there's several punctuations in our English Bible but in the Greek it's one sentence and there's a similar uh, similar prayer uh, in the book of Ephesians. And the pastor covered uh, covered that when he started the uh, book of Ephesians. Well, uh, look at, just to get some context, let me begin reading at verse 9. Look at Colossians 1, 9. For this reason, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask. So here is, here's his prayer. So Paul said, this is my prayer and this is what I'm asking. And then he asked for some specific things in his prayer. And I've underlined some key words. He said, this is what I ask that you be filled with the, with, uh, the knowledge of his will... In all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Now the pastor has been preaching to us for three or four weeks here now about our Christian walk. So the great apostle tells the church at Corinth, you got to walk right. He tells them them the same thing he told the the, uh, Ephesians. Verse 10. Uh Uh, Verse 10, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of steadfastness and patience and joy. And he he goes on joyously. Now, there's several items that I've underlined to pray for. I've listed them here for you. Not going to be able to go uh, go over all of these. You can go through. You can pick out the items that uh, that he prays for, and uh, it is a uh, uh, it's kind of a model prayer or a pa- or a pattern of prayer to follow, uh, like his prayers here and elsewhere. It includes uh, words of praise and words of uh, thanksgiving. All right, now let's come to our passage for tonight, in verse twelve. Colossians 1, 12, 13, and 14. Verse verse 12, giving thanks to the Father. And this is where I get the title, Thanksgiving in July. This will be a good sermon for uh, November. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins, now I'm going to uh if anybody's window's down, you need to go turn roll it up um, I'm going to read to you several verses about thanksgiving now I'm going to talk a lot about thanksgiving tonight that's the, That's the kind of the topic uh so, I've picked some selective verses through the Bible. It's not exhaustive. I just picked some key verses that I wanted to read to you about thanksgiving. Now, listen, listen to these. Uh, Psalms 5014, offer to God the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Psalms 10721, let them give thanks to the Lord for His loving kindness and offer the sacrifices of thanksgiving. And then Psalms 92.1. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. How about that? It's good to give thanks to the Lord. And to sing praises to His name. It's good. That's a good thing. You want to do a good thing? The Bible tells you two good things right there you can do. If, Ephesians uh, 5.20. Always giving thanks for all things. Uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Philippians uh, 4.6. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving let your requests be made known. And then Colossians 3.17. Whatsoever you do in word or deed do in the name of the Lord giving thanks. Then Colossians 4.2. Devote yourself to prayer. Keeping alert in it with an attitude of prayer. So not only is it good to pray, it's good to have an attitude of prayer. I remember Pastor Mike, when I when used to go to preacher meetings, you know, on Thursdays, one of the guys that we met with prayed all the time, made me sick. <laughs> We'd be sitting around talking, you know, and talking about important things in the Bible, like how many angels can dance on the head of a pen and those kinds of theological things. And we'd be talking, discussing church things, and, and say, well, what do you what do you think about it, John? He would over like that. He prayed he did that all the time. He'd be standing there talking to him. I'd go visit him in his church. He'd be sitting at his seat and I'd talk to him and, you know, and I'm talking and look over there and he's praying. He did that all the time. He had an attitude of prayer, except he prayed all the time. He would just start praying. Pray. Right, for, for no reason at all, he just prayed. And everybody knew it. Well, anyway, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. He had an attitude of prayer. Right, Hebrews 13, 15. Through him then let us continually offer up this sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks. We can give thanks to God for many things. Now, in this verse, in 1 Timothy 2.1, it says, First of all then, I urge you that entreaties, prayers, petitions, thanksgiving be made for all men. Now, you can break your prayers down into these four categories if you want to and, and have a prayer list of intercessory prayer and prayer and praise and, and do that. There's nothing wrong with that. My suggestion is when you pray, just pray. If you want to uh, categorize your prayer, follow what the Apostle Paul told, told Timothy here to have these different, different kinds of prayer. All these are prayers, just a nuance of a prayer. My suggestion is when you pray, just pray. But if you, if you need to categorize your prayers, you I'm going to pray for these uh, petitions today. I'm going to pray for these special people today. I'm going to pray for this. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. And you can do that. The Apostle Paul, matter of fact, instructed Timothy to uh, do that. Let's see. I've already lost my place, I hadn't even got started. Okay, we're still on thanks. Here's some verses verses about uh, thanks. Jesus took loaves and he gave thanks. Uh, John eleven forty one. So they moved the stone. This is at Lazarus' resurrection, and Jesus said, "Father, I thank you." Then in Revelation seven eleven, look what it says. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. Now, I want you to picture that in your mind. If you were an artist, I want you to draw that picture. Show me all of the angels standing around the throne. I can't even think of that. I'm assuming it's the myriad and myriad and myriad of angels, the ten thousands and ten thousands of angels. And look what it says. The angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God. You paint me a picture of that. (laughs) I can't even conceive of that. And And then they said, angels said. Angels usually say, Amen. I agree with that. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. We're gonna give thanks in heaven. You know, you know, I I worry about people who who don't like to sing or give thanks. You know, the Bible tells us to sing praises to God. I worry about people, they're gonna have a hard time in heaven. <laughs> That's what we're going to sing and and give thanks to God. Well, those are just some selected verses about thanksgiving. Uh, Now I want to show you some verses uh, about failing to give thanks. In addition to these positive verses that I've given to you, the Bible tells us that failing to give thanks characterizes the unbeliever. Look at Romans 121. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations and their foolish hearts was darkened. You know, the atheists and the agnostic know who God is. If they didn't know who God was, why did they spend so much time trying to get rid of him? Yeah. If there's no God, then there's no purpose in their whatever they do. But anyway... They knew God. See, Paul says the unbeliever knows who God is, but they fail to give thanks. One characteristic of the unbeliever is failing to give thanks to God. They have a foolish heart and a darkened, futile, empty understanding. Luke six thirty five, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And you, now, some of your bankers, this is a tough verse, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. So the Bible said the ungrateful are described as evil. That's the unbeliever. One of the characteristics of an unbeliever is an ungrateful heart toward God. And then in 2 Timothy uh, 3.2. This is talking about the end times and in the, the last days. For men will be lovers of the self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, uh, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. So, the char- a characteristic of the unbeliever is a uh, is a ungratefulness. Now, the Bible tells us to be thankful for a lot of things. I'm going to go through these quickly because I don't have time to dwell on them. But here's some things we can be thankful for. People say, okay, I want to be thankful, preacher. What I'll be thankful for? Well, I'm going to tell you some things. You might want to jot these, these uh, verses down if you're interested in them. We can thank, be thankful for who He is. Psalms 30, verse 4, sing praise to the Lord, you His godly ones, and give thanks to His holy name. Give thanks for who he uh, uh, who he is, uh, his name. Give give thanks for his uh, give thanks for his nearness. In uh, Psalms seventy five one, we give thanks to you oh give thanks to you oh God. We give thanks for your name is near. Give thanks for opportunities to serve him. Apostle Paul told Timothy I thank Christ Jesus my Lord who has strengthened me because he has considered me faithful putting me into service and he goes on to tell about his salvation. Be thankful for the spiritual growth of others. And in 2 Thessalonians 1.3 We ought always to give thanks to you to, to God for you brethren. As is only fitting, because your faith is greatly enlarged and the love of each one of you toward one another grows ever greater. Give thanks for seeing someone grow in the Lord. Well, last Thursday night, we saw friends and family stand up here in this pulpit and talk about the graduates, the, the graduates who sat there and talked about how they've seen them grow up in the church and mature in the Lord and uh, become. Uh, wonderful young people and they and uh, that's what this this verse means give thanks when you see some see someone who grows in the Lord and give thanks give thanks for food uh, then what makes a Christian uh, really thankful is in uh, 2 Second, uh, Second Corinthians uh, 9.15, talking about the unspeakable gift of Christ. All right, now, all that's introduction. We want to get to the meat of the subject here now in verse, uh, in verse uh, 12. First of all, Paul tells us in, in these verses to give, give thanks for your inheritance. Verse 12, give thanks to the Father who has qualified us... To share in the inheritance of the saints of light. Now the word father emphasizes the personal and relational aspect of our union with God. Before salvation, we were at odds with God. Before salvation, God was our judge. After we became believers, He becomes our heavenly father. Before we were believers... Uh, we were condemned for violating his holy laws. But when we were saved, God stopped being our sentencing judge and he became our father and we were adopted into his family. And we call him father. Now the word qualified means to make sufficient or to empower or to, or to uh, authorize, to make us fit. Means that having been made competent. The word, the word qualified here is a is a tense in the Greek that means it's already been done in the past. It's done. It's over with. At a point in time, it's it's complete. And so, we have been made qualified. Done. It's over. It's in the aorist tense in the Greek. It's not past tense. It means it's something that happened in the past. And it's done and over. It's finished. It's complete. And so he has qualified us. We are qualified. Before salvation we were certainly unqualified for his kingdom. Look at, look at Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through, through 3. The pastor just got through going over these verses recently in his sermons. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of the world. According to the prince and the power of the air in the spirit that now is working in the sons of disobedience. Among them you, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of the flesh and so forth. Before salvation, that's how we lived. We were unqualified for the kingdom of God. We had to be qualified in order to enter his kingdom. So that's why the Apostle Paul says, we are qualified. He Who has qualified us? He has qualified us and made us fit for the kingdom. Ephesians 2.12 says, remember that you... At one time were separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope, and without God. Before we were believers, we were truly unqualified. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord. That you walk no longer as the Gentiles. The pastor just got through preaching about this verse. About walking. About our Christian walk. Don't walk in the futility of your mind. That's emptiness. Empty minded toward the things of God. Being darkened in your understanding of the things toward God. Excluded from the life of God. Ignorant. Hard hearted. Callous in your heart. Given to sensuality. And practice every sort of impurity and greediness. Before we became believers, that characterized the unbeliever. God has by his grace qualified the unqualified to share in his inheritance. The Bible tells us what we have in our inheritance. Look, our verse, our verse tells us, uh, in verse 12, is qualified us to share the inheritance of the saints of light. We have an inheritance. Our inheritance includes the uh, our inheritance includes uh, 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 eternal life. Look what it says in Matthew 19. And everyone who has left houses, brothers, sisters, father, mother, children, farms. For his name, namesake will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. What do we inherit? It inherit one thing: eternal life. What do we inherit? Uh, uh, Matthew five five says, "Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth." Remember, the Bible says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and somehow believers are going to inherit the earth. We're going to have access to a new heaven and a new earth. We inherit the earth. Our inheritance includes all the promises of God. Hebrews 6.12 says, Be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. I don't don't have time to go over any of the promises. You know some of the promises that God has given to us. But we inherit Him. His promises. Well, when do we when do we receive these promises? The uh, the passage tells us that the word qualified is a present participle. That's why it's ending in, uh, it's a present participle. Take my word for it. I looked it up. I know it is. It's <laughs> present participle. It means, uh, it, it, it's, we're already qualified. It's already done. We've already been transferred from the domain of darkness to his kingdom. The full possession of that inheritance is, is yet in the future. In Ephesians uh, 1.11 it says, Also we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose. Colossians 1.13 says, for, the, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his dear Son. Romans 8.16 says the, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, if children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. First Peter 1 Peter 1.4 To obtain an inheritance which is uh, imperishable and undefiled and does not fade away. We have an inheritance that is promised to us, From the Lord Christ Himself. The inheritance belongs to a specific group. Look what it says in that that verse. The saints in light. Now the saints are those who are separated from the world and separated to God. Everyone does not receive this inheritance. Look Look what it says in 1 Corinthians six nine, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Only the believer inherits the kingdom of God. Only the believer have, has this inheritance from God. The unbeliever does not. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, adulterers, adulterers, effeminate, homosexuals, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, swindles shall inherit the kingdom. Such were some of you... But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you have been justified in the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5.5 Ephesians 5 says, For this you know for certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man or idolater will inherit the kingdom of God. Everyone does not inherit the kingdom of God. I've had people tell me over the years, well, everybody's going to the same place, just taking different roads to get there. People of other religions, other denominations. To which I say, no, no, that's not true. That's not what the Bible says. Everyone does not inherit the kingdom of God. Only the believer. Well, Ephesians Ephesians 5, 8 says... um, Whatever it says. I'm going to skip that one. Go to 1 John 1 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins. Only the believer inherits eternal life. The inheritance is understood. By His Spirit and by the Word. I'm going to skip these, skip these verses. You can write them, write them down. The God's Word tells us uh, about His inheritance. And the Holy Spirit ministers to us to tell us about this inheritance. One thing we can give thanks for is His inheritance. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us in the inheritance of the saints of light. We're to give thanks, and the Bible says we're already qualified to share in the. Actually, it says we're qualified for the share. In the Greek, it says the share, not to share or and share. What is it? Just to share. And Nazbee says to share. Actually, it says we're qualified in the share. So there's a specific share in the inheritance that the believer has. In the inheritance of the saints of, and the same thing, of the light. We have an inheritance in the light. Then we come to verse 2, and that makes sense. For He rescued us. If it talks about the light of Christ, then it would make sense in the next phrase... For he rescued us from the domain of darkness. Give thanks for your deliverance. God has uh, delivered us from Satan's domain. We can give thanks because of our spiritual liberation. God drew us out. He rescued us from the kingdom of Satan. And he gave us a new birth. We are not gradually or progressively taken out of Satan's domain. This word is a very dramatic word. He rescued us. He took us out. He snatched us out. And we're going to see, see that develop hopefully in a few minutes. It's not a progressive thing. It's salvation. He snatches us out of the domain of Satan... And we're placed in the domain of Christ. It's as if you had two flower pots, and you take the flower out of this flower pot, and you snatch it out, and you plant it in this one. And it's in the new pot, the grow. We call that sanctification. We grow, but we're in the new place with Christ. So, when we place our faith in Christ, we are instantly. Delivered. In 2 Corinthians 5.17 it says. Therefore if anyone be in Christ he is a new creature. Believers are not, uh, do not need to be delivered from the domain of sin and Satan. We need to behave as those who have been delivered. That's what the pastor has been driving home for weeks now. In the book of Ephesians about the Christian walk. We're saved this, this morning. We're loved. Why don't we act like it? <laughs> we're, 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 uh, we're, we're saved. We need to walk like it. Need to act like it. In Romans six two seven 7, and 11. May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? For we who are dead is freed from sin. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. Well, the question is, are we alive or dead? Yes. <laughs> dead to sin, alive to Christ. Alive in, in God. Romans six 6.12 says, Therefore, let, uh, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its lust and do not go on presenting uh, the members of your body to, to sin as instruments of unrighteousness but present yourself to the righteous God. That's what the preacher's been talking about for weeks in in Ephesians. Walking right. have to walk right. There's a way to walk, our Christian walk, our Christian behavior. It tells us that over and over again. God drew us out of Satan's jurisdiction. Those who receive the Lord Jesus Christ have been rescued from the domain of darkness... Dominion is uh, translated from the word power or jurisdiction or authority. The word dominion means the word power or authority. We've been translated from Satan's dominion, Satan's power, the the place of darkness, and placed us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Give thanks that, give thanks for your deliverance. He had delivered us from. Satan's domain. And thirdly, give thanks for your transference. It says he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Paul continues his list of blessings that draw out the gratitude of describing the believer's new domain. We have been transferred Means that uh, it means we've been there's a bit, been a change, the verb speaks here of a total removal of the domain of of Satan from the darkness into his glorious light. This verse makes a drastic it speaks of the drastic nature rescued. We have been rescued in a almost a drastic nature and saved. Whenever a person comes to Christ, it is it is a drastic. Change are rescued, you've been rescued, been snatched out of Satan's domain and transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. Look what it says in uh, uh, Colossians 1 uh, 112, our, our verses tonight. these, these uh, three, three verbs I got underlined. He's qualified us. He has rescued us. He has trans, uh, transferred us. All these verses speak of, of a drastic change. We have a new kingdom. The kingdom refers to uh, not only to the millennial kingdom uh, or to a general rule uh, of God, but Paul gives us a, a clearer definition in Romans 14:17. For the kingdom of God is not in eating or drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not a matter of external things. In Romans 14, 17, the apostle sweeps away the debris of rituals and traditions of men. Those external things all too often cause controversy and problems in the church. The spiritual life of the believer is experienced in the realm of the kingdom of His dear Son. I'm going to skip over that and go to that. We have a responsibility in, in the kingdom. 1 Thessalonians 2.12, 2, 12, it says, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of God. And again, we are to walk in a certain way that pleases God. The Bible tells us to have a certain walk. Now let's go to Roman numeral 4. Give thanks for your redemption. It tells us in verse 14, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Before we were fit subjects for Christ's kingdom, we needed redemption. Before we could go to Christ's kingdom, live in His kingdom, before we could walk right, before we could live right, we needed redemption. Ephesians 1:7 says, "In him we have redemption through, uh, through the blood through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace." First Corinthians 1:30 says, "But by His doing you are in Christ." By the Lord's doing you are in Christ. You didn't do it yourself. You didn't save yourself. Who became to us wisdom from God. And righteousness and sanctification. And redemption. In Romans 3.24 it says. Being justified as a gift. By his grace. Through the redemption which is in. Christ Jesus. Redemption comes to us. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. Before before we were uh, believers, we were external, exterior, and away from the kingdom of God. Redemption then results in the forgiveness of sin. Redemption means the removal of sin. The Bible uses metaphors to describe the removal of the believer's transgression. Look what it says in Psalms 103. As far as is the east is from the west, that's how far your transgressions are moved. Now you think about that a minute. You go west and you keep going west. When do you get west? When do you get all the way west? If you could go out in space, you just keep going, keep going, keep going. Of course, here on earth, you just, you just keep going around and around. If you go east, how far do you have to go to go east? It, there is it, there is no into it that's that's a metaphor that the Bible uses a figure of speech illustrating and showing us how far the Lord has removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west and then in Micah it says this he will again have compassion on us he will tread our iniquities underfoot yes you will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea You can't get there. I don't know if anybody's ever been to the bottom of the sea. There's so much pressure at the very depth. You can't. No no one's been there. They may have sent instruments there. But the but the illustration is. It's the farthest away you can get. That's how far away our sins have been forgiven. Our redemption is complete. When you are in Christ, a believer's sins are taken away. You need to give thanks for your inheritance. Give thanks for your deliverance. Give thanks for your transference. Transferred to a new kingdom. Give thanks for your redemption. Christ's death on our behalf paid the price to redeem us. On that basis, God forgave our sin, granted us inheritance, delivered us from the power of darkness... And made us subjects in his kingdom. Those wonderful truths should cause us to give thanks to God. Paul, just as Paul prayed. And when we recall all that he has done for us. How can we do any less than to just give thanks to God for what he's done for us. Redeeming us, buying us out of sin's domain. And giving us the gift of eternal life. All right, I'm going to stop right there, and I'm going to pray in a minute. But first of all, I'm going to give a plug for this Saturday. Now, this Saturday at 930, right, Brother Bob? We're going to have a super seniors meeting. <laughs> I call them super seniors. We had not we hadn't used that word yet. We're going to have a seniors meeting, super seniors. If you're 55 and older, you're, going to, you, you, uh, you're welcome to come. If you're under 55, you're going to get special permission from the county, town, county council. <laughs> All right, now you remember that verse in the Bible that's where Jesus said, every dot and every tittle is going to be fulfilled. We're going to talk about that this Saturday in, in our super seniors meeting. And we're going to dig into this verse 14. Because let me let me take another survey. Does anybody here have a different version besides the NASB, the New American Standard? Anybody have a King James? Oh, you do? New, King James. New Okay, that's good enough. You got it with you? Yes, sir. Read that verse 14 for us out loud. Which one? Uh, five, The the one we've been talking about all night. Five, <laughs> Just kidding. Colossians 1:14. Yeah. Read it for. Her. In whom we have redemption through his blood forgiveness of sin. Okay, anybody notice anything different? Through his blood. Huh? Through his, blood. through his blood, all right? It wasn't in this verse. It's not in the NASB, but it's in the King James and New King James. How about that? Well, which one's right? That's what people ask me. Well, preacher, which one's right? Your Bible says this and mine says that. Well, which one's right? I don't know. You know, you church people. Just... Listen, you can have confidence in your Bible that it's right. God's word is right. We're going to talk about that this Saturday. and We're going to go over this Verse. Now I used to have a, it passed away, my cousin was a preacher, and he used to publish a little paper for his church called Mining the Scriptures. Not minding the Scriptures, but digging, you know, digging in a mine. Mining the Scriptures. And he would dig into the Scriptures real deep and publish this little paper for, for his uh, church, uh, church to read. So we're going to look at this. Here's some Greek stuff. I'm going to show you some Greek stuff. You don't even have to know Greek. You don't need to know one word of Greek in order for me to explain that to you. And it tells us why that verse is different in some versions from from the others. So, if you really want to get into some deep Bible study this Saturday, those of you who are 55 and older, <laughs> you, you yeah, you you got to be qualified to be here. On Saturday. All right. So that's my plug for Saturday. And by the way, the food's going to be catered by Chick Fil A, right? Yeah. All right, Chick Fil A, nine thirty Saturday. Super seniors. All right. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll be dismissed. Lord, we come to you with words of praise and thanks. Thank you for the inheritance you've given to us. Thank you, Lord for delivering us from the domain of Satan. Thank you for transferring us to your precious kingdom. And thank you for the redemption you've given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that as we leave tonight, we can rejoice in your name and all that you've done for us, and we give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.